Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 30. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width was 6 cubits. So it's about 90 feet tall and about 9 feet wide. He set it up in the plain of Dura, the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar, thus will be said, his name from now on, we're changing it to Neb. His name is going to be King Neb because you're going to hear his name a whole lot. King Neb sent word to gather together the satrap, the administrators, um, the governors, the counselors, treasurers, judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Neb had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the officials that of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Neb had set up. And they stood before the image that King Neb had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Neb has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image which King Neb had set up. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and dry snitched, accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Neb, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Hey, there, there are certain Jews whom, ha, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, they have not paid due regarding to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. So they snitched on them boys. Then Neb, in rage and fury, he gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Neb spoke to them saying, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psalmstry, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you don't worship, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O oh, king, O oh, Nebi, somebody say, O oh, Nebi. O oh, Nebi, we have no need to answer you in this matter. That's huge. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand O king but if not let it be known O king that we do not serve gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up then Neb was full of fury and the expression of his face changed 
towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his face changed. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because of the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. Then King Neb was astonished. He's watching this and he's astonished. And he rose in haste and he spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, True, O king. Look, he answered. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Neb went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out of here, come out here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, says the name like 48 times, came from the midst of the fire and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. It's a good place to underline. And they saw these men whose body the fire had no power. Their hair of their head was not singed, nor were any of their garments affected. Remember all of the garments that it listed out? And the smell of fire was not even on them. Neb spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted, last time, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Hey, over the next few minutes, I'm going to close out in prayer. We're done for today. We read the Bible. And we're going to send you out of here with a blessing. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this subject. And I'm hoping that you're taking notes. Uh, plus one, first installment of plus one, in the fire in the fire. Come on, would you pray with me? Um, Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord Jesus, to be able to spend with you. Um, we've seen you in areas of our life, Lord God, where sometimes it's even hard for us to admit. Um, and it's crazy because there's even moments, Lord God, where we don't even know that you were there, um, but people around us see that you were there. And they're trying to figure out why is it that we still have our head in our head? Why, why is it that we're still alive? Why is it that we haven't suffered loss? I mean, it's because you are our plus one. You've been with us in the fire. Today, speak to us, encourage us, instruct us, teach us, Lord God, and give us the things that we need to be able to do the things that you've asked us to do. Father, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in his place? In the fire. Um, I've shared this story and, and I, there's several people who probably have heard this story and some of them who are new who have never heard this story um but it's a, a a really easy way to explain where we can pick up this story here found um in daniel chapter three 
Um, I, I come from a generation um, and a time uh, that we had, remember y'all, we had cologne. How many of y'all remember like cool water? How many cool water? Remember Fahrenheit? Remember Fahrenheit on Hi mom, how you doing? I love you. Do y'all remember, like, you know what I mean? Having, like, you know, uh, 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 jupe. Some of the ladies, y'all had jupe. Jupe smelled like pancakes to me. It was weird. <laughs> we, I had this one. It was called gray flannel or gray flannel, depending on how you say it. Uh, uh, and I remember that I, I had about three bottles. And I remember giving it to one of my kids and my sons. And I was like, hey, I want to give the family heirloom. You know what I mean? It was a moment we prayed around the father. We just, we, you know what I mean? Like I gave him the, the, the cologne and my son was like, oh my God, thank you, dad. You know, um, a couple of days later, I'm walking by their bathroom. Now, let me explain to you. The bathroom is a bathroom with a sink um, and it has a ca cabinets and all that. And then there's a, a, a separate room that has a toilet and the shower, right? And it has a door. And so as I'm walking by their bathroom, I noticed that on the other side by the toilet and the, and the shower that the thing is on the windowsill. So I'm like, oh man, I go grab it and I put it back in their drawers. A couple of days later, I walk around again and I see that it's right back there. And it's like on the bottom by the shower. I'm like, so I go and I grab it, put it back in the thing. Uh, this is the bathroom that is closest to, to, the, to the living room. So one day I go to use the bathroom. And when I go to use the bathroom, it's like sitting on top of the toilet. So I grab it and I say, hey, man, let me ask you a question. Why do you keep putting this thing in the bathroom? Like, are you taking a shower with it? He says, no, dad. He said, what are you talking about? He says, it, it, it says toilet on it. It's supposed to be in the toilet. It says, out the toilet. <laughs> I said, bro, that's French. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it's French. And it don't mean toilet. You don't suppose, you're supposed to put it on your body. Oh! King Neb was this individual that has taken an entire nation captive. They are now his slaves. In taking this, there are four men who have risen up, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All four of these guys have said, we don't want to taint ourselves. We don't want to live the way that your men live. And so what they say is, everybody eats from the king's table, right? And they're like, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, you got to eat from the king's table because you're going to be close. You guys are intelligent. We want you to be part of our intelligence squad. And what he does at that moment is that Daniel says, I don't want to eat from the table. He says, that's unclean food that my God told me I can't eat. What I want to do is that I want to eat fruits and vegetables. And if my countenance, the way that I look, is the same as the people who eat the delicacies from the king's table, then let it be good in your eyes and let us continue. That's where we get the, the Daniel fast. For some of us on January, when we or, or depending on whenever you're fasting, that you eat fruits and vegetables, it came from Daniel chapter 3. And so when he did that, his countenance was that of the best of the best. They looked good. They were intelligent. Chapter 2, the... Nebuchadnezzar, Neb, he has a dream. And in a dream, he tells all of the people, his religious leaders and everybody who was around him, I need you to interpret the dream. But here's the kicker. I don't need you just to interpret the dream. I need you to tell me what the dream was and then interpret the dream. And so he says, if you don't, I'm going to kill you. Unfortunately, several people lost their life. But then word gets to Daniel. And Daniel comes to the king. And when Daniel comes to the king, he says, hey, king, I heard that you had a dream. Here's the thing. I can't interpret it. I'm not going to be able to interpret it. But, but I know that God can, and God has an answer for you. And then he says, and thus, this is the dream. And he tells him what dream he had, and then he tells him the interpretation of the dream. In that dream, he says, I saw a statue. The head of the statue was gold. And then the chest of the statue was silver. And then from the belly to the thighs was bronze. And then on one leg, it was iron. And on the other leg, it was clay. And this was significant. And he explains in the chapter, this was significant or a picture of kingdoms. Kingdoms that will come after you. And he says, you are the gold kingdom. And God has put you in place for a reason. 
And then there's other kingdoms that are going to come out to you. In fact, if you read the book of Daniel, you'll actually start to see that there's some end times implications all through the book of Daniel where he starts to talk about things thousands of years ago that we're experiencing right now. In fact, there's a big correlation even with the book of Revelation. And you can see where these things get entwined. It's easy to entwine the scripture, right? Kind of. Uh, if somebody fakes it, they could take Daniel and then the Revelation, they could be like, oh, yeah, I read the book of Daniel and I'm going to do these things. And these things are like the book of Daniel and make it look alike. You can't do that when you look on your Facebook and you see somebody waving their hand in front to pay something. You can't do that when you begin to see rumors and rumors of wars and you begin to see things that are happening in our world that they were already in the Bible years and years ago. Daniel, he, he gives this dream to him. And King Neb, he thinks about the dream, and then he says, here's what's happening. One chapter later, bro, I mean, he didn't even have time to think. One chapter later, he tells the, 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 his, his leaders, I want you to erect this huge statue. It's going to be 90 feet tall, and it's going to be nine feet wide, and it's all gold. He misinterpreted what God was showing him in the dream. Because he saw, Daniel told me, I'm the head of this big statue that's made of gold. Well, I'm going to make an entire statue and then I'm going to have everybody bow to that statue. And he misinterpreted. What I want to show you is that the very demonic strategy and, and, and that frail thinking that Nebuchadnezzar has, sometimes we have that very same mentality. And sometimes we operate in the very same thing because when you do those things and you see, okay, this is what God wanted for me. And it's funny because God will tell you what and he'll give you the why sometimes. But what he won't do is give you the how. Because if he gives you the how, us as humans, what we tend to do is that we see a picture of it. Whatever it is that God told us to do. And that very picture, we're like, okay, God, I got it. And what ends up happening is that we start to do that thing on our own. And we start to, oh, I, I know what you said. I got it. Don't worry about it. I got it. It's like asking my kids, hey, can you do this in the laundry and then do this? They're like, I got it. They're walking away. I'm like, I've experienced this way too many times. Stop. Stand in front of me. Look at me in my face. Once you look at my, my face, here's what I want you to do. Tell me what I said to you. Right. And then when they walk away, I'm like, hey, hey what, what was it that I said again? Because I want to make sure that you understand. Because what happens is that you take bits and pieces. And now all of a sudden, you start to operate and start to do the things that you thought that God told you to do. And what will happen is a couple things. Number one is that you'll make people around you bow to that dream. Bow to that idea. You'll start enslaving people. You'll even get mad at God because you're like, God, you told me to do this and this. And you haven't given me what I asked because I prayed for this contract and I prayed for this job and I prayed for this spouse and I prayed for this. And you haven't given it to me to do what you told me to do. And God is sitting there saying, right, I gave you a dream. The dream was about kingdoms, not about a statue. When, he, when Daniel interpreted a dream, it was a dream about kingdoms, not a physical statue. But what did Neb do? Neb took that junk and said, oh, I'm going to build a statue because it's the statue and the head and the gold. I'm going to make the whole body gold. And he got prideful. And unfortunately, when you try to do things on your own without God's help, you'll start to walk in pride. You'll start to find yourself in a space where now you're starting to use and abuse and manipulate people to get your way. You'll start to do things without God that you never imagined that you would be able to do. You'll start to lie to people. You'll get mad at God. Neb told him, I want you to build this tower. Every time that you see the tower and that you hear the music at that moment, I want you to bow your knees. That's the game plan. Because I heard the dream and I took a piece of it and I started to live it out by myself. 
And now all of a sudden, I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing. I'm doing something that had nothing to do with God's plan over my life. And I'm stuck in a circle. And I'm making other people pay the consequences because of a misinterpretation that I took out. I think churches are even built in those ways. And it's unfortunate to see where people will take a little bit of what God told them. And then they will take a little bit about what they learned. And they'll put together a dogma, a strategy. Where some of us are in this room and we've been hurt because we've heard some stuff that people misinterpreted in the Bible. And now all of a sudden what happens is that whenever they hear the song... They all bow to that dream. And if you don't bow, you're going to get kicked off the worship team. And if you don't bow, you're going to get kicked out of your job because bosses do the same thing. And if you don't bow, I'm going to leave your marriage. And I'm going to leave you by yourself. And if you don't bow, you can no longer be a part of this family. And what happens is that all of a sudden, we begin to bow. And it might not be a golden statue, but it's a way of conforming. There's not a man who is sitting there in, a, in an oval office, a kingdom, a chair. There's not somebody that's sitting there watching the entire planet and going, ha, oh, I'm going to destroy everybody. And I have a plan and a tactic on how I'm going to do it. There's some individuals that probably are doing some pretty corrupt stuff. And there's things that we're falling into by way of our food, medicine, blah, blah, blah. Right. But if you break it down to the lowest common denominator, yo, there's a devil that's real. And his job is to kill you, it's to steal from you, to destroy you. But can I tell you that there's one thing that he does very well and that he's trying to do with every one of us? He wants you to bow your knee, but this right here, he wants you to conform. So if I can conform you, if I can shape you, if I can, I know you were so on fire for God, but let me knock this off of you. Let me break you here. Let me change this a little bit and I'm going to conform you. I'm going to mold you in a totally different image to where you look at yourself in the mirror. And you're like, this isn't who I used to be. What, am, what is this? And if he can conform you, he can get you to bow because now you're sitting there and you're bowing to something. We all been there. We know we all been there. I, I was talking about the perfumes and the colognes, and some of y'all remember. Why, how did you know about those colognes? You knew about those colognes because of the schools you went to, because of the people that were around you, because of culture. Culture tries to conform you. That's why you wore those pants. Some of y'all remember the Z Cabaricio? Do you remember the Z Cabaricio? Remember when people had the purple Z Cabaricis, the parachute? Y'all had the hammer pants? You looked weird, bro. And it's just you, but you, everybody was wearing it. So you know what I'm saying? So you couldn't tell me nothing. You know what I mean? Not even, you're like, hey. Some of y'all, when, when culture switched it, and you know your thighs are too thick for those tight pants. You shouldn't wear skinny jeans. But you were like, everybody else is doing it, so I'm going to do that too. And then you, you conform. Ladies, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Y'all put so much stuff in your hair. Some of y'all have wall bangs, claw bangs, bang, 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 she bangs. I mean, just everything. And, and you had so much stuff just to get that one little baby hair curl. You know what I mean? Right there. Just perfectly. Just right. Fellas, y'all had the Murrays. Y'all had so much stuff in your hair. You had the, 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 the L.A. hold or whatever it was called. The depth. Y'all remember that? If, you, if somebody touched your hair, it felt like they were hitting iron. You had long hair, but that junk didn't move. It just stayed up there. But, but here's the thing. We, the, the music that we listen to. The, the shows that we watched, some of us would get in the bus and we're like, I need to listen to some of that music because everybody else is listening to it. And I want to be left out. And, and we conform. Do you see how the enemy does it? I mean, it's strategic in the way that he does it, where he conforms you. Well, every mom is doing this, so maybe this is what I should be doing with my kids. But I, every marriage is doing this, and so maybe we should be open with our marriage. And maybe we shouldn't be so locked up and so rigid and so religious and so old school. And maybe we should open. You see what I'm saying? And it's so easy as it sneaks in, and all you're doing is little by little, you're just sitting there in front of a gold statue, and you're just bowing your knee. You're allowing yourself to be conformed to this thing. And then you're sitting there, and every time that you hear, ding, social media, 
or ding on the news or on the TV or when you talk to your coworker, as soon as you hear the sound, you're bowing your knee and you're allowing yourself to be conformed to something that was never created for you. So what do you do? What do you do when you, you try to do it all the right way? There has to be a resolution. And I was talking to my wife about this the other day, especially with Christians. There has to be a resolution in your heart. Well, man, we got to stand up for some stuff. And as Christians, I think what happens is that we are, we, we are so grace-filled. And there's even a legalistic grace that's being preached. That is just like, God, he, once you get saved, he does everything for you. That's stupid. I, we, we have to have this resolve in us that says, no matter what. Hey, King, here's the deal, Nebi. I, I see the statue. Low-key, we're not going to, high-key, we're not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to bow. We're not going to do this, buddy. So just throw us in the fire. God's going to actually protect us in that. But even if he does it, we're still not going to bow to you. There has to be something inside of you, this resolution in you that's like, yo, I'm, I'm going to fight for my marriage no matter what. I'm going to fight for this thing and fight for my kids no matter what. Hey, I know that it's easy that I can go this way and I could probably find a shortcut, but it's immoral, it's wrong, and I got to stay here because no matter what. Christians, we, we wait for God to do everything, and it's because of grace, I think, and I love grace, but, but grace is something that cannot be earned, but it's not opposed to effort. Like, you should be able to start taking. God is not going to wake you up at 4 in the morning for you to read your Bible. Listen, I know some of y'all that happens. It's like, no, he woke me up. I get it, and it's annoying sometimes because you're like, God, please let me go back to sleep and he doesn't but here's what he doesn't do he doesn't take your head and open up your bible and open up your eyes okay come on let's read here we go and in the beginning he doesn't do that he stirs something in your heart and you have to take the step you got to get out your bed you got to play some Colgate put some music on light a candle open up your bible but there has to be a resolution and for some of us we're living lives bent and conformed to the enemy's ways and there's something inside of you that has to say I don't want to do this anymore and no matter what comes hell or high water I want to stand for Jesus I want to live my life with Jesus I don't care what you bring I don't care what you show me on social media I don't care what my neighbor says I don't care how old school or religious this makes me look I have a way and no matter what I'm not moving from here there's some stuff that you don't he said nebby we don't even have to we don't even need to talk to you i mean look at the disrespect this is the guy who kills everybody he's about to kill you bro and they're like honestly we don't even need to answer you there's some stuff that you don't even need to pray about there's some stuff that you don't have there's nothing to talk about here there's a resolution in my heart i'm not doing this no matter what because for some of us, it's just like, yeah, well, God, um, you know, if you don't really want me to do this, then you're going to call somebody and they're going to call me right now. So, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm believing you're going to call. I'm going to count to 10. Here we go, Lord. This is what we're going to do. Ready? 10, 9, I'm waiting. You're going to have somebody call me right now if you don't really want me to do this. And 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And it's 3 for the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son. And the Holy Spirit. And God, I'm going to just pray because I'm believing that you're going you're gonna to do it. I'm gonna, seven is your number. That's what I did wrong. Father, I pray seven. Seven, six, five, four. And we're constantly putting these things in front of God. And God is sitting there looking at us like, yo, there needs to be a resolution in you. I don't want you to do that. And I don't need to come here and save you from that. He'll save you from the sin. He won't save you from committing the sin. That's on you. You, you got to have a resolution in your heart. That's why you have people around you. 
That's why you have real, real margin and guardrails to stop you from going there. That's why some of us got to put our phones in the living room and let it charge over there. That's why some of us, when we notice that things are starting to get a little heated, some of us, different than others, we walk away from the situation. Hey, you know what? That's super cool, but I know myself. I'm about to punch you square in the eye. So I'm going to walk this way and I'm going to chill. I'm going to, because I know myself. You know what I mean? There's certain music that we don't listen to. Some of us in here, we have to have a resolution where it's like, yo, I don't want to listen to that because when what you listen to and it's entertainment, this is my past. And I lived and I experienced that. So all of a sudden, this starts to get in me way differently than it does in you. And so it's not religion. It's not legalism. It's holiness. And there has to be something inside of you that says, I am resoluted. I don't even know if that's a word. I have resolved in my heart to not move from here. And I don't care what I lose. I don't care who walks away from me. I don't care what followers don't follow me. I don't care who says you're a religious bigot or you're an idiot or who cancels me. There needs to be some stuff that I'm going to stand on the word of God. That's where it gets tricky. That's where it gets tricky. Why? Because for, for a lot of us, we were talking about this in our men's G group. And shout out to the men's G groups that happen on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We've been having some incredible conversations on our marriage G group on Tuesdays. And I don't want to shout out everybody, but y'all know, go to the website, greater.church slash G groups. But in our men's G group, we were talking about this. And some of y'all, I know there's a lot of new and there's a lot of older faces, but we, we've always said this thing that we, I carry this and I've said it more times than you can bear. But the person who has lied to you the most, cheated you the most out of stuff, manipulated you the most, the person who tells you, hey, I'm not going to do that, and they do it anyway, the person who does all of that weird stuff, you're probably thinking, oh, that's my husband, or that's my Uncle Bob, or my cousin. It's, no, that person is you. You lie to yourself. You cheat yourself out of stuff. You tell yourself, I'm not going to do it again, but you end up doing it again anyway. That person is the person that we trust to make decisions and to we, we conform ourselves sometimes to that person. This is what I, that person makes us do. That person makes us bow our knee when we hear the sound. That person sometimes is who you're trying to build around to be able to say, hey, uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stand strong and we're going to do this thing together and it's going to be me and I'm not going to do this no more and I'm not going to bow that person right there. And we know that that person has let us down again a month later, a year later, but you're right back to it. And that person has again conformed and bowed that. So, so how, do we, how do we face this stuff? How, how do we do this stuff? I think in scripture, I think he gave a, a clear outline as to what he said. I'm not going to answer you. I don't even need to answer you. Regardless of what happens, this is where I'm standing at. I'm, I'm, it, it, I'm standing on here. Why? If you listen to yourself, you're always going to drag yourself back in the mud. And the men's G group, what we were talking about is SOPs. And, and I know we have several business leaders, several people who are in business here. And maybe you're in a job when you first got in and they showed you their SOP standard of uh, uh, operations, their policies and procedures. You know what I mean? And some of y'all were like, you just had the job. You didn't care. You just signed your name. You didn't read none of that junk. You know what I mean? Um, but, but for some of us, we read it. And some of us, we've had to write that. At our church, we've had to write bylaws and different things to be able to say, hey, this is the way that we do things. And what happens is that you could walk into a job and you could be happy, sad, mad, or glad. You're going to follow those SOPs. The way that we do this is that you're going to call this amount of people. And you're going to, this is the way that you're going to talk to somebody. Here's how you're going to dress. And it conforms us to whatever we see in the SOPs. And what happens is regardless, as long as you're in this job, this is the way that you're going to look like. You have no room in your wiggle room in your life to be able to say, yeah, but I don't like that. Well, you don't like unemployment. God bless you. God bless you. We have some SOPs. We have a standard operating procedure. 
this Bible can help you when you don't feel like doing it, I'm not going to lie to myself again. The Bible tells me that this is how I'm supposed to do it. The Bible defines to me what marriage looks like. The Bible defines to me how I should raise my children. The Bible defines to me how I should operate in my finances. But I'm resolute. I'm standing right here, not living in my own brain, but living out of the standard operating procedures, which is the Bible. When I allow for this thing to dictate the way that I live, I'm not going to bow my knees to anything because this thing is telling me that you shall only worship one God. And it don't matter if you throw me in the fire furnace, no matter what. That no matter what, changed the entire game. That's what got God's attention. The Bible says that Neb, he takes Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You heard of those guys? He takes all three of these guys, um, and there were some mighty men. The furnace was so hot. And I mean, I could preach three series out of this, sir, out of this thing, but I'm trying to get y'all out of here so y'all could eat lunch. But as they walked to the fire, the men that were walking to them, they died because it was so hot. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they're sitting in the fiery furnace. The Bible says that Neb sees them and says, yo, didn't we throw three in there? Why do I see four? And then it uses the term, and there's one walking amongst them that looks like the son of God. And this is, I think, a, a pre-incarnation, a pre-Jesus actually in scripture in the Old Testament where he was walking with them. I believe that this is Jesus Christ himself who was actually walking and was in the fire with them. I want to show you a couple things because for us not to bend our knee, for us not to get conformed, for us not to live the way that the world lives, for us not to live the way that culture and standard tells us to live. This shows me a couple things. The first thing it shows me is that he had some guys that it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel too, that said, hey, that no matter what that you carry is the very same no matter what that I carry. And so there wasn't one of them. Could you imagine Meshach was like, mm -mm, nah, hold on. Here you go. I don't, I'd met these guys in the parking lot. Hey, uh, what's up, Neb? Oh, yes, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar. None of them. None of them. All three of them together said, yo, it is what it is. Could you imagine that conversation when they're in the waiting room? Hey, you, 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 you turn it? No, you, all right. What are you going to do? I'm going to stand up too. Neb, you switch sometimes, bro. You be nervous sometimes. You sure you're going to do this? But all three of them. You need some people in your life that are going to be like those three. And I'm not telling you that they're perfect, but you know that you can have some no matter what's with them. That, hey, I'm not switching. They're the ones that are going to tell you, hey, treat your wife differently, dog. You're, you're, you're being a, a bad person right now. I was going to say a curse word, but we in church. <laughs> you need some people in your life that are going to be real with you and tell you, hey, man, that's not the way that you respect your kids. Or that's not the way that you need some people that are going to lock arms with you and they're going to walk through things with you. When it seems like you're losing and all hell is breaking loose in your life, you need some people that are going to link arms with you and begin to pray you through those things or be able to tell you, hey, you don't have to rob, steal, cheat. You don't have to be immoral to be able to get to the next season. Let's believe God together. Here's $100, all I got. Let me take you to go get some groceries. Let's walk through this thing together. That as we walk through the fire together, man, you start to notice that you look around yourself and you're like, yo, this is weird because he left me. She broke up with me. This thing got lost. That job got lost. The money that I had tied up in that investment went sideways. I, I, all this fire is around me, but I don't even smell like it. There's something weird that's happening. And you look to your left and to your right and you're like, yo, you've been with me through all of this. That's your friend. That's why Jason and Allison, these are, they've been through hell and high water. These are my friends. I trust them with my life because there's been times that we looked at the church and the church looked amazing. And there's been times where it was just us four. And we were like, and I need, I remember that. We were sitting there. Yo, what is happening right now? We broke the church. There's 12 of us and they gave $35 in the offering. But it was, there's a resolution. 
They says, you pissed me off, but Chino, why you said that to me? But we're going to stand here together. And when we walk through this thing, you start to notice that the fire, I should have been burnt up. I should smell like it. People should see me and I should look like the past that I went through. People, my clothes should look different. I mean, the way that I talk should change because of I should have been conformed to the fire. Because that's what fire does, right? Fire conforms things. Fire changes the way you can see fire and it begins to break things and make structures look different because it begins to burn it. You can tell a fire from a mile away. It gets people's attention. So when you've been through the fire, people can see it. I, I, you on, it's, I'm, 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 Sean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm out of frame for a little minute because this is Georgia. Y'all different. This is an emergency lane. And there's a car that's on fire here in this emergency lane. The car's on fire. You got one lane, two lanes, three lanes. Let's just, this is my story. I tell her how I want to. And five lanes. This is the express lane. This is where you get a ticket when you buy yourself. The ones, the ones that laugh probably got a ticket. Y'all got a ticket. I may have got to. Um, right here in the emergency lane. You're driving. There's no traffic. But there's a fire, a car on fire on that side. And it will be traffic for miles away. Bro, drive! But you're driving. Oh, my God. Are they okay? Like, oh, what just happened? Said, Bro, you, it's none of your business. <laughs> oh, my God. Some of y'all pull out your phones. World star. Oh, my God. Look at this. Hey, guys. Facebook Live. Hey, what's up, y'all? Look, there's a fire. Because it, it, it gets your attention. Because fire always gets your attention. Isn't it crazy that when people put their eyes on you and they see that you're in the fire, but they notice that you haven't been consumed, your clothes hasn't changed, your countenance hasn't changed, something begins to dip, be in them where they're like, yo, hold on a second. How is it that you survived that fire? Weren't there three people in there? Why is it that there's four people inside of there? And they see Jesus in the midst of your pain, of your fire, of your hurt. They can see the Lord in your life. If you become resolute, if you become strong, if you stand right here no matter what, they see Jesus. An entire nation was changed. An entire nation was changed because they saw Jesus in the life of individuals who were going through hell. Literally literally hell flames all around them that wasn't consuming them and the bible says that they all got around the mouth and they were like hey Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego y'all boys still in there <laughs> come out and they come out I be feeling like the man when I walk through you know what I mean it was just like it's like the soundtrack just just kind of like walked out and they're just like hey what's up y'all <laughs> nothing was burned the only thing that was burned was what was tying them that's the only thing that got burnt. Because there was a fourth person in the fire. That fourth person in the fire is Jesus. It's a representative. It's Jesus himself that was standing there. In our life, I guarantee you, take yourself, because some of us are in this fire and we're going to pray. But some of us are in this fire right now and it just feels like it's consuming us and it's consuming our marriage, our finances, my, my, san my sanity, um, my, my anxiety. Man, you know, I just feel like it's just so much that's just raging. There's a fire that's raging and it's not only all around me, but I feel like it's inside of me and it's consuming me. And, and I want to talk to you. I want to pray for you for just a second. But, but I also want to talk to a couple of individuals who are in this room who you remember when you were in the fire. And you remember when you were there and you don't know how you got out of it. 
you don't know how you still have your sanity, how you're still alive, how you didn't kill yourself, how your marriage is still together, how your finances are there, how you bought a house, how you got cars. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know how you got out of that season. You know that it was Jesus. But for some of us, we had no clue that the reason why you left five minutes later was because there was an accident that was going to you, take your life. But you mad you got a flat tire. And you had no idea that in the, that fire, that little flame that you were in the middle, oh my God, I can't get to work on time. You had no idea where God was actually keeping you from and that he was right there in the fire with you. My mom, I was driving and I shared the story. My mom, I was driving in a car with her and there's a, there's a, there's a, a hurricane that was coming and I don't remember the name. I don't know if it was Maria. I think it was a hurricane that tore up Puerto Rico, um, but it was coming and there was like, it was Armageddon. We were driving and it was four, uh, off, uh, four lanes on the turnpike, uh, which turns into 75, the turnpike. And then there was both emergency lanes and everybody was going up. And then uh, the, that same time, all the lanes that were coming southbound, everybody got in that lane as well. And you can see pictures of it and everybody went up. In that, I'm talking to my mom. And I was just talking to her about like, yo, family, like talk to me about my family. One of the things that we learned in the book Soul Care by Rob Reimer is that you want to kind of explore family sin patterns, but you want to explore your family. Like ask questions. And there's certain questions that you ask because you want to learn a little bit about what makes you tick, but what are some of the things that have circled you? Some of y'all have promises. Some of y'all have legacy. Some of y'all have prophetic words that have been spoken over your life and you have no clue because it's been sitting in your family dormant. Two things, and super deep, but I promise I'm going to go back to the story in a second. Two things that never leave this earth. Number one, it's money. They'll burn gold, you know what I mean, and, and different, but the money from way back in the days, uh, from ancient times, those coins, they still find them. They don't go anywhere. It's not like they leave. They're physical. But mantles also don't leave this earth. When, when a mantle is over a person, that person dies, Elijah, Elijah, the mantle went down to them. Scripture, it talks about it. And so these things never leave. And so you see people that carry mantles. I, I love one of my friends. He's an evangelist in the prisons. And this man walks into a prison. And I shouldn't be able to walk into a prison. But I walk into that mug with not even checking my ID. They don't even check my pockets because of the mantle that they're carrying, right? So there, there's some stuff that you are in your family and you had no idea. There's some preachers that were preaching years ago, decades ago, and you, you got it in you. You're like, yo, why am I sitting here talking to my Why do they always call me for advice? And it's because four generations back, your grandma used to do the same thing. And she had an entire village that they went to her for Jesus. Not for witchcraft. They went to her for Jesus. And that stuff is laying inside of you. And you just don't know until you have a conversation with your family. And so homework. And so as I'm having this conversation with my mom, I'm like, yo, tell me a little bit about it. And, she, you know, she tells me about all the different things. And then she talks to me about my grandfather. And so my grandfather was a boxer in Cuba. Um, he was just, he wasn't a good dude at the time. And my mom was telling me about him. And she was just telling me horror story after horror story after horror story after horror story. And I'm like, yo, Mima, do me a favor. Can, can you uh, stop? Can you do me a favor? Can you tell me something good? Just tell me one good thing about him. Like, what's one good thing that you're like, oh, he did this nice. And she was like, okay. Oh, you want me to tell you one good thing? Okay, here. So she says, I was uh, 14 years old and I was turning 15 in a Hispanic culture and in Cuba and different Hispanic uh, uh, countries, when a, when, a, when a young woman turns 15, it's a big deal. They have a king set. You heard of that. They have a big party. They celebrate them, et cetera, et cetera. So my mom, 14 years old in Cuba, a communist country where you get rations, 2023, there's still rations. You get a certain amount of cup of, 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 um, of rice and, you know, you don't get no chicken. That's illegal. You don't get no beef. That's illegal. You get pork. And so you get these rations of food that you have to have. And my mom went out and she starts selling and cleaning people's houses for an entire year, 14 years old, cleaning people's, doing everything to save money. Um, she, in a year, she saved about $20, would be the equivalent to, to, to $20 uh, American dollars. She saves all this money and she's going to throw her own party. 
And so she comes to her dad. She invited everybody, her neighbors, everybody. She's invited everybody. She comes to my, my grandfather and she says, hey, uh, it's February 18, uh, 218, I'm, I'm 15. <laughs> Happy birthday, me. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to, can you take me to go buy some stuff? Because I got, you know, I got all this planning that I have to do for the party for everybody to come. And my grandfather says, you, there is no party. We had to cancel the party. My sister had a baby today. And she's like, I, that's cool. Can I get somebody else to take me to, my, to go get the stuff? Like, no, you're coming with me. We're leaving. No, you can't. You can't do that. It's my birthday. And she's telling me this. And she's, it's my birthday. You can't do this to me. Like, I, I'm, I'm about to turn, I'm 15 years old. Like, I planned this. I called. I worked all year. I have all the, I have the money. Like, I'm going to go. And he's like, I've told you again that I'm not going to do this. You're coming with me. We're going to the hospital. The party has been canceled. And in typical 14-year-olds, some of y'all have 14-year-olds and you know it. That moment that switches where you think they have a demon in them. You know what I'm saying? And it just, she, I die. Why I die? And she just goes off. My grandfather was an evil at this time, he was not in his right mind. He was a left-hand boxer. With his left hand, he slapped my mom so hard that my mom ended up under the bed almost. And my mom turns to me and she says, that's the best story I got for you. I said, that's, that's a good story right there. That's who your grandfather was. And I said, dang. I said, Mima, that's tough. I read something, not only in scripture. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere and in all things. God is in 1972, but he's also in 2055. God is omnipresent. He's in all places. If he's not, and we say in church, we felt God move. God can't move because if he moves that space that he moved from, it ceases to exist because he's in everything, right? So God is omnipresent, meaning that he's in every single thing that you've been through. And I remember reading in the book, Soul Care by Rob Reimer, one of the things that he does in exercise is to take people who have dealt with real trauma, and have them sit there and pray, there's somebody that's there with them. I said, Mima, close your eyes. I said, here's what we're going to do. I need you to think about that scene. She closes her eyes and she's like, I can smell it. I can see it. And there's areas in your life and trauma, real pain that has happened in your life where people have walked away. It all crumbled, hurt, pain. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just trying to, I'm, I want you to visualize it. Because this is where she was. I can smell it. I can feel it. I don't need to listen to the song to remind me. I, I, man, this is easy as all day. I can feel it. And I said, here's the thing. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Jesus was in that place with you. You may not have seen him, but he was in the fire with you. He was right there. You just have to just be quiet for a moment. Just, just close your eyes and just look at, remember that scene. And I bet you, you'll see Jesus. And I remember I'm driving and my mom just starts bawling crying and she turns to me she's like oh my god in Spanish she speaks no English 40 something years in her life in the United States and good morning how are you my name is and she looks at me with tears streaming down her face she's like oh my god I see him I see him he's in a corner and she it's like she went back to the dream she's like closing her eyes she's like oh and she's crying now she's bawling in the car and she's like I see Jesus he was right there with me I, he's he loved me he never abandoned me he loves me he loves me and she's sitting there in a memory that created her so much trauma that she's like I'm gonna paint you the ugliest picture that I can so you can see who your grandfather was and Jesus steps in the middle of that thing to the point that every time that she thought back on that memory, she remembered in the corner the guy who was standing there, Jesus. It changed the trauma because he's in the middle of the fire with you. 
Some of us saw him there. Some of us need to go home. This is prophetic. Two words that the Lord gave me. The Lord gave me these two words and it's harsh. I've shared it with the church. Two words. It may seem harsh and I don't want it to seem harsh. I just want you to understand the way that God gave it to me is the way I give it to you. For you to be able to take time to sit there in, in that moment. And I'm not telling you to relive it, get mad, frustrate, all that. Do whatever you need to do. But get in that moment. And then two words is what the Lord told me. Shut up. Shut up. This is what God told me. I'm not telling you. Don't shut up. Be quiet. Don't say shut up. Because in that moment, if you can just sit still, you'll see Jesus there. The reason that I know that Jesus was there is that you're on the other side of it. You're alive. You're breathing. Your marriage is better. Hey, listen, the marriage could have ended and it was ugly and it was nasty the way that it happened. And man, we don't, we don't like it. We don't highlight it. But God gave you something 10 times better than what you had. The job may have pushed you out. But now all of a sudden you're in a different space now. How did I get here? You got here because Jesus was in the fire with you. Because he didn't forget about you. Listen to me. Please hear my heart. I, I promise you that I'm not minimizing what happened in that moment I'm not making it seem like oh, okay so what I just think okay here we go ready huh, here we go oh yeah I think oh Jesus I see you buddy how you doing yeah but did you see what he did to me I, I'm not I'm not trying to minimize it what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you perspective because what ended up happening is that your perspective have been conformed and you had no idea because now every time that you think about that moment you're allowing yourself to bow to depression you're allowing yourself to bow to anxiety to hurt to pain your, your, the trauma of that moment has shaped you in such a way that you can find freedom. That God wants, to, the fire can refine you, but it can refine you into the image of Jesus. Or it can refine you into the image that this world wants you to be in. And today we have a choice not to conform. And listen, I'm here no matter what. There's a Jesus that's inside of me. There's a Jesus that has walked with me through it. And here's the promise of scripture. There's a Jesus that will continue to walk through with you. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. That there's a Jesus that wasn't not just in the fire, but for some of us that are in the fire right now, remember we talked about it? It's inside you, it's all around you. There's a Jesus that wants to rescue you from that. And sometimes rescuing from, from that is not necessarily pulling you out of it. It's stepping right in that mug with you. I got you. Not only is he there, but man, as a church, we commit to being with you. I, I want to take some time and we want to pray for you. And I, I'm, I'm not going to go too long, but, but we want to make sure that we pray for you. But for some of us who are in this room, it's not that we're in the fire. It's not that we, I'm resolute and here I am and I'm standing, I'm putting my stake on the ground. My family means this. This is what my life means. I'm no longer living this way. And we've put a stake in the ground. But there's some of us that we never got to the fiery furnace. Because as soon as they do, 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 and we see bow to that image, the American dream, what, whatever the next cool thing is, and we've bowed to sin, we've bowed, bowed to addiction we we've bowed to all of these things that, that that are fighting for your time they're fighting for your faith and it feels like Chino I don't I know I'm not supposed to be bowing to this statue but how do I get up how do I what do I do because Jesus ain't nowhere around me today you can be saved from that it's super easy you don't even have to do anything about it Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that you shall be saved. I know you've been bowing to the devil. 
I mean, it's not the devil. It's, it's just my life. I get it. Whatever it is. I know that you've been bowing to things. Today, you can change your bow. And I bow on a regular. And I bow to the king of kings. The creator of heaven and earth. He has my full allegiance. He's not a gold statue that can't move. He's the God that saved me from disease. He's the God that rescued my life from the miry clay. He's the God that saved my marriage. He's the God that saved my children. He's the guy that took my baby premature, about to die, and made her a child that's running around. He's the God that continues to watch over me, walk through fire, but walk through heaven. He's the God that I bow both knees to. And today, he can be yours as well. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, that you shall be saved. Today, this salvation can be yours. This Jesus can be yours. You don't have to give money to a church. You don't have to dress the right way. Yo, you don't even have to go out right now. You don't have to go repent, throw away all your bad CDs, throw your drugs away, and then come back and accept Jesus. No, no, no. You accept Jesus first. Inside of you is the Holy Spirit that gives you the willpower, that gives you the strength to be able to go do those things outside and start throwing stuff away and start eliminating some things. But right now, the first thing you need is you need Jesus. Without Jesus, you're not gonna be able to do any of those things on your own. You've tried it. It's called self-help. Barnes and Nobles is filled with aisles of books of people who have self-help and somebody else is writing another one because all the other ones don't work. It's Jesus. The first thing you do is you receive Jesus. The moment that you receive him, it's not a piano, it's not an eloquent, I can't even do it. I can't save you. Jesus is the only one that can save you. I'm just giving you some words and your faith is what saves you. That's the only way that you can be saved. Once you walk out of that moment, everything changes. Hell might break loose because the, he, his last ditch effort is to try to kill you because he understands you're about to be a world changer, that you're about to be on platforms that people cannot be in, that you're about to be in rooms where people were not allowed to be in, but you're standing there looking around saying, I'm underqualified, but God has me here for a reason, a purpose. There's a reason why you're there, but it's about this moment right now first. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast.